Is this going? We're hot. Oh, wow. That's uh, one thing I've never been is hot, but <laughs> thanks. Uh, this is Binge or Purge, we think. We think working title. Working title, Binge or Purge. Until we get the cease. It should be called Cease and Desist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'll probably get that letter, but that's yeah, okay. I'm sure. Whatever. This is uh, hey, you know, we'll make it better than whatever the other thing is, right? right. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Demo, and my co-host is Joe Taylor. Hello, and I'll, I'll say hello again. <laughs> and uh, we basically we're going to talk about everything that's streaming on cable, stuff to watch, stuff not to watch. Um, we're not really going to get into features on this show. We're more going to get to things that you can either watch on your phone, your laptop, or your TV. And explain to the folks at home what we mean by feature. Movie. Right. Movie you go to the theater to see. Anyone where someone is wearing a costume, uh, we probably won't get right. into. We're not going to talk about Avengers Endgame because everybody else is talking about Avengers Endgame. Not that we don't love this stuff. I, you know, I'm all into it, but we figured everyone's doing that. Let's talk about what's sitting in front of your television. Because there's so much to choose from. There is. And people ask, uh, I know they ask me, I'm sure they ask you, uh, uh, you know, what should I, what haven't I heard of? What shows or movies uh, would I not have come across? And usually, I think both of us have a recommendation queued up. And uh, I think people appreciate that. So that's, I guess, the goal here. Right. I'll just start uh, with my recommendation um it's on hulu so uh but as we're just say we're going to cover you know things at hulu netflix amazon prime the three big streamers and whatever else is on cable right right cool okay and uh youtube red maybe someday oh oh do you when uh the cobra kai second season comes out i'm all on that yeah because i loved the first season of cobra kai I you know, it was fantastic. Oh, it was it was awesome. And you know, somebody told me like two years ago, I was trying to get somebody to look at a pilot, and they said, "Well, YouTube Red is looking for the, you know, the next big like the next House of Cards." And I was thinking, if there's a next House of Cards out there, it's not going to YouTube. Right. But it, maybe now it is. Who knows? I mean, that's the thing. Every every one of these channels channels I say that loosely. Every one of these streaming services. They all got at least one big hit. Now, I don't know how huge Cobra Kai went over ratings-wise or what the numbers are. All I know is everybody that I know that saw it, even if they mildly liked The Karate Kid, loved it. Yeah, I've, so, I've heard that uh, it was one of the most watched streaming series, like as much as Stranger Things. It was just absolutely huge for them. Oh, really? Is what I heard. Okay. I wouldn't doubt it. It was fantastic. And I know that that's coming out April 24th. We'll definitely do... Something on that, yeah. for sure. Absolutely. Nice. But I'm just going to start with uh, this new show on Hulu. I think it's been out a month or so. Um, I heard about it because Conan O'Brien uh, was plugging it on Twitter, and so was Andy Richter, and it was it's Pen15. I'm like, Pen15? What is that? And um, basically, it's a show about two girls in seventh grade going through junior high and all the problems with being adolescents and puberty and dating and, you know, relationships with girls and all that. Pretty, you're pretty standard, you know, junior high TV show. But uh, the catch on this one is the two creators of the show are 30, early 30s, uh, in the early 30s. They're both women and they're playing 
themselves. They're playing themselves as 13-year-old girls. Interesting. Who are the two women? Uh, their names are uh, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. Okay. And, and they did uh, something before this? Or? That I don't know. I, I went digging. I think they might have been on something else. They also have another uh, co-creator, Sam. I'm going to massacre his name. Uh, it's like Zivelman, Z-V-I-B-L-E-M-A-N. The three of them created it. He directs occasional episodes of it, but it's really their thing. And um, they're playing as 30-year-old girls, 13-year-old girls, and everybody else around them is age-appropriate. So they just don't acknowledge it. It's just a seamless, in, it, the, in that world, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, everyone is playing like they're in seventh grade. Got it. There's no like, well, this is weird. Everyone's playing it straight. Well, as straight as this show is because it's a funny show. But that's the whole, that's it's like gimmick. I hate to use the word gimmick because it's more than that, but that's their, that's like their catch. Got it. Kind of like how, how BoJack Horseman, there's people and animals used completely interchangeably. Right. Some of the animals have pet animals. Like some of them are humanized, some of them aren't, and there's just no, no one cares. Right. Yeah. No one, I mean, the funny thing is they have uh, a couple episodes are sort of like inferred makeout scenes. At the end of the episode, they have they have to they stipulate body doubles were used for certain scenes oh, because yeah. they can't they can't be you know making out with you know 13, 12, 13 year old boys. It's frowned upon. It's it is frowned upon. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It is. I think I read something recently about it not being cool. Yeah. So uh, common, sure, but common, still common, upon. but still frowned upon. Exactly. I have to say, I loved. 80, 80, 85% of this show. Um, I did, I did all, it's, uh, 10 half hour episodes and, uh, only a couple I thought, eh, whatever, but for the most part, hilarious. Any, uh, guests, like cameos or big, uh, or is it just straight? No, no real cameos that I think of. It's just, it's just them. And uh, the support, the supporting cast is crazy because like there's the mom and the dad and they got their problems and everything, but it's really the two of them. And then, you know, normal kid actors that you've never even seen. I mean, there's no one, I can't think of anyone recognizable in this show. And it's also produced by uh, Andy Sandberg and his Lonely Island guys. Oh, nice. They're executive producers. That explains the name because I just noticed. You just noticed you wrote wrote it out. Yeah. Pen right. 15. Pen 15. And man, oh man. Yep, right. Write it down, everybody. <laughs> Write it down. And they said, I guess that the, I saw an interview with them and they said that's the joke when they were in, in junior high. Someone's like, hey, have you bet pen 15? You write it down on your hand or some sort of thing. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, look what I just wrote on my hand. Yeah. Yep, classic. Classic. So that's basically it. There's, uh, uh, there's like the third episode is about uh, Maya getting her period. In episode three, Maya doesn't get her period. It's about her masturbating for the first time. It's the thing. For a show about girls, I still related to it because mm-hmm. everyone feels the same. They're, and they're kind of like outcasts. And um, she, uh, Maya is um, half Japanese. Mm-hmm. And uh, Anna is, you know, like looks like a Massachusetts white girl. So... 
But they're like best buds, Massachusetts white girl. Is that a thing? Is that is that sure. terrible? Right? I, I'm picturing that. Yeah. Pict- yeah. And it's funny. The guy. I, is I was she fighting with, someone over the Patriots? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. she just she's 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 all about she's all about tearing up with the Pats, bro. You know. <laughs> but um, uh, what was I gonna say? So drama, comedy, it's got it all. It sounds like. I mean, it's 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 a fun it's a fun comedy. I certainly liked it. And there was uh, I think it was the fourth episode. Um, strangely, I related to it. Uh, the Maya's character she has to play. She's in the band and she sucks, and she has to play the timpani drums. And I had to play <laughs> and I had to play the drums too. And they always put me on like the lamest percussion I could because I was so bad at it. Yeah. So they're sort of like, okay, you're going to be on timpani and. She is awful, and her her father, who plays the drums in a little band, he's coming home specifically to see the concert. And I I, I lived this when I was in junior high, so it was very. They managed to hit on things that were extremely relatable, and um, I don't know. I thought it was a very entertaining comedy. It's definitely definitely worth worth a watch. Pen fifteen on Hulu. Yep. Demo's very first review slash recommendation. It sounds good. I'm going to watch it. Uh, based on name and Lonely Island Association alone, I'm in. Uh, okay, my first thing, I just watched uh, on Netflix. Now, this is a movie, but I have heard of it, but I had no desire to watch it when it came out, and I don't know why, but I watched this movie called Rock the Casbah. Uh, this movie's got Bill Murray, Bruce Willis, Danny McBride, Scott Kahn, Zoe Deschanel, uh, and it starts off the opening scene right here in Van Nuys. So that part's exciting. But anyway, it's about um, Bill Murray's like this hack talent manager, and he represents uh, Zoe Deschanel. He takes her on a USO tour, and it, things kind of uh, unfold or collapse from there. Uh, he ends up discovering a, um, a Muslim girl who risks her life to go on the uh, Middle Eastern version of American Idol. Oh, I know. You know this. what I'm talking about. I know it now. And, yes. And I thought it was, for some reason, I just wasn't interested when it when I heard about it. But I watched it, and it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. There's a, like a great. That's um, a bold statement. You it, wanna, are you sure about one of the best movies you've ever <laughs> seen? Top, top 200. Oh well, okay. All right, top 200. I'm 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 on board. Okay. Um, Amazing cinematography, especially because they filmed a lot of it out in the desert at night, which I know as a filmmaker is impossible um, to try and shoot outdoors at night. Um, great cast. Some of Bill Murray's greatest rants and dialogue. I don't know how much he goes off page. Have you seen this thing? You're no. You're squinting at me. Like no, I'm just because I'm thinking, like, who wrote and direct, re- directed this? Um, good question. One of the only things I did not write down about it. It was directed by Barry Levinson and written by Mitch Glazer. Oh, the music was awesome, too. It turns out that this girl uh, was a great singer and et cetera. Uh, the music through the whole thing is good. The, the one thing I think maybe made it not so popular is that the girl he discovers as a like hidden talent, and she's like in a burqa and all this stuff, the, the girl that they cast was great, but she is like a supermodel. And I think maybe the movie would have gotten a little different reception if it was like the Iranian Susan Boyle, you know, cause it's right. like hidden talent, but she looks like bar Raffaele. So there was that, but it was a fantastic movie. Uh, highly recommend. So that's my first thing. 
And that went directly to Netflix. It never got it never got a, a release in theaters. No, I think it did. It came out maybe in like 2016 or something. Okay. Oof, so close. 2015. And I remember hearing about it. I, I don't think it went straight to uh, VOD. I think it was out. But uh, I don't know. It's it's scary how some really good movies can just be undiscovered forever. And I've never heard anything about this movie. Um, I mean, I've, I'm remembering it now by seeing images and some footage of it, but in no way would I remember the title. It's one of those things that I feel like, I was like, oh, did that ever come out? And I'm only remembering it but right now because you mentioned it. Otherwise, yeah. it's gone. I would no, even right. think it existed. Right, and that's I think it's what we're really trying to get at here is to uh, make people aware of some of these movies that really should not have gone unnoticed because it is a, there's a really good message to it um, and it's really funny and, and it just, you know, got put on a shelf for some reason and we're here to dust it off. <laughs> uh, spe- speaking of, uh, our, our new podcast, we do have a sponsor. Our first sponsor is golf binge or purge brought to you by golf. If you haven't done golf before, now's a great time. Find a buddy or three buddies head out into that wooded area or meadow where no one will see you cigars. You betcha. All in one. Golf now and use promo code binge or purge 722-9445R and get up to 30% off. That's golf. Now we're looking for real sponsors, but that'll do as a placeholder uh, for now. So there you have it. It's very good. Are we going to have tennis next week? Hopefully. I, w- I want a whole country club of sponsors. Hopefully. I got to check our, non, our uh, non-compete. Uh, but I, but we might squash. I want to be I want to be sponsored by squash or pickleball. Do you know pickleball? I don't know pickleball. Uh, it's like squash with a smaller court. I think. I don't know. Someone can fact check. That. Isn't squash already played on like a ping pong table? I mean, I thought squash was tiny to begin with. Maybe they're the same it, thing. I don't. It could be. We'll we'll fact check that and and uh, next next week we'll have an update. I'll update you right now. Squash and pickleball are not the same. Uh, okay, what do you got next? Um, well, this was on HBO. It was just wrapped up its third season, Crashing, Pete Holmes Show. I think I think you love Pete Holmes. Right? I do. I do like Pete Holmes, and a lot of a lot of people in our circle um, don't. Yeah, they're not Pete Holmes fans. I could take him or leave him. I've here's the thing: like every time I've seen him live, he's crushed. I've never. I mean, he just kills me. Then I see him do some recorded stuff, and I'm just like, oh, he's okay. His special was not great. His special was not great. But every time I've seen him live, I mean, I'm borderline peeing my pants. I'm, I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he's, I mean, I, and I'm not, I'm not coming down on him as a comedian in any way. I think he's a fantastic comedian. And I really liked this show. I liked this show especially because it kept getting better season after season. Yeah. I I thought the first season, eh, when he was dealing with, you know, leaving his wife and, you know, I know I'm being myopic here, but once they really focused on stand-up, I thought the show got way more interesting. Yeah. And it seemed like the more stand-up the show talked about, the more involved I got with it. And I thought this third season was fantastic. And right before the final episode was going to air last Sunday, I found out canceled. Are you kidding? It's done. It's over. Why would they do that? HBO was like, eh, we're done. And of course, and everyone's like, you know, Netflix, save it, or let's do a movie. And, you know, Judd Apatow's like, we're, maybe we'll do a movie. Pete Holmes like, maybe we'll do a movie. But I will say this, 
they ended the third season, it was like there was some angel dust on it. I think he meant to say fairy dust, not PCP. Because it, it ends on such a great note. The Do- that, the Dov Davidoff stuff? No, no, the Dov Davidoff stuff. <laughs> no, uh, he ends up uh, opening for John Mulaney. There's like a mix-up. He ends up opening for John Mulaney. He finally gets the go-ahead to perform at the cellar, which had been like this contentious thing the whole season. And uh, and he gets back with Jamie Lee. Just, I don't know if he gets back with her, but they're, they have a little kiss at the end. And... Um, it ends like the sh- it's how you would actually end the series. Yeah. If you knew you were ending it. But they didn't. They were just ending the season. But it happened to work out like I'm like, "Well, you know, I know you're done, but this was a good episode to end on." Interesting. The only thing I didn't like this season was his new girlfriend Cat, and not the performer. I just hated <laughs> the character. Could not stand the character. Unlikable in every way. Unlikable in every way. D- didn't, I mean, ru- she did some really rude things. I know she gets to... Now, the actress did a phenomenal job hitting these levels of, of what they wanted her to do, and she nails it. She gets... She nails drunk, bitchy, like I've never seen. Like, I was like, yeah. wow. I mean, they... I, I watched her performance, and I'm like, wow, that is pitch perfect how a drunk... You know, insecure, snotty little girl would little girl, but grown woman would act. Yeah, a lot she of con- the conflict that she created in that in that uh, arc was amazing. Yeah, yeah, great performance. Hated her. I would hated <laughs> hated the character. Could not stand Cat as a character. But <laughs> that was the point. That was the point. That was the point. And uh, still, uh, thoroughly enjoyable season. I think it was eight episodes. You know, just. I thoroughly loved it, and uh, I wanted more because the show kept getting better for me, and now it's done. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah. Definitely the best Judd Apatow show. I think so. Absolutely. I mean, he's, he has a lot of shows. This is the one that I've, I've liked the most without question, and I know we're, we do stand-up, so, you know, it's like a niche, and but it's... I, and it's I know, not inaccessible to non-stand-up comics. Though. No, not at all. But I know a lot of stand-ups, I hate it. Oh, right. Like, they thought his ascension to starting getting, like, good gigs was way too quick. You know, like, he needs mm. he, he needs to really, like, you know, suffer a lot more. And I'm like, yeah, I get it, but it's a TV show. We got to have progression here. Right. We can't have the TV show about the guy that does open mics for eight years. <laughs> Bring your shows. You know, yeah. I mean, like, well, like, in two years, he's already, like, I'm like, I know it's a TV show. Yeah. Right? It's got it's got to move along. Yeah, and that does, it does happen for some people that way. I mean, I think Nick Swartzen performed it just for laughs. He'd been doing stand-up for six months or something. Like some, <sighs> <laughs> it happens, I guess. Yeah, sure. Great. Um, I'm uh, so happy for everyone that happens for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, crashing on HBO, and it's on demand uh, if you have HBO. On demand, season three, and season three, the final season. It's done. That's, uh, that's too bad. Maybe it'll pop up somewhere else. Um, it, and, and one last thing, much, much better than I'm dying up here. Oh, so much better. Now talk about a show. I, I started, I'm dying up here the first season. I bailed halfway through. Cause I was like, Oh, everyone's just, I didn't like any of the characters really. Right. I, I, no one was like, I didn't, I couldn't relate to anyone. I just didn't. I was like, you know, even the ones that we actually know in person. Yeah. 
you couldn't relate to. Like, no. An- Andrew Santino. Andrew Santino's a great guy. I, he was a douchebag on the show, too. Everybody <laughs> in that show was a douchebag. Especially, you know, Melissa Leo, she nailed her performance. But I was like, I didn't, I, I'm like, this, half the time, I'm like, I don't even want to hang out with these people. I don't want to watch yeah. a show where I, with people I don't want to hang out with in real life. They were all such dicks to each other. And I get it. And I guess, I don't know. But the thing is, I came back for the second half of the second season and caught like the last four episodes and I saw how it ended and that ended like, oh, we're coming back for season three. But no. No. It got the, I mean, one of the characters ODs on an uh, ice skating rink flat on his back out and you're like, is he alive? Is he dead? The world will never know. (laughs) The world will never care. Yeah, the world world (laughs) will never care. I'm sorry. I know they tried a lot with this show. I, it just didn't work for me. I, I heard an interview with Pauly Shore not long after it came out, and they asked him, what do you think of the show? Because it's obviously based on the Comedy Store, which I don't think they acknowledged. That, that wasn't called the Comedy Store in the show either. No, right? I forget what it was called. It was called Goldie's. Obviously, it was based on Mitzi Shore, right. and they didn't connect those dots explicitly. And they asked Pauly Shore like what he thought about it, and he said, it's you know it is what it is. He goes he goes Jim Carrey who um, who created the show. He wasn't around the Comedy Store back then, and so like it's his version of what he thinks went on there. And some of it's you know some of it's pretty accurate, some of it's not. But it's like a biographical show written by someone who wasn't there when it happened. Right. If so, they really wanted to make it interesting, they needed a Sam Kinison type. They needed a lot more tragedy right. in that show. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, crashing on HBO much better than I'm dying up here, which was on Showtime. Showtime. Right. Okay. Number two for me. Right. Yeah. Um, staying on the Bill Murray theme, uh, I watched a documentary called The Bill Murray Stories. Okay. And uh, again, I've seen it on Netflix, and it has nice little artwork. But I finally watched it, and it was fantastic. And again, there was a really good message to it, which is that this guy has kind of created an urban legend of himself, which is that he will show up places uninvited, unannounced by himself, and he'll just participate in other people's parties or wedding photo shoots or whatever. He'll just show up. And um, it was, I don't know, a dozen of these stories about um, you know a college party where a guy goes into the kitchen and there's Bill Murray washing the dishes. And he's like, what, you know, what is Bill Murray doing here? And, um, the point of it, I think, was that he goes to great lengths to just create joy in the world. And he does it through interacting with you in person for no reason. And he knows, I think, that that is a, a moment or a day that you won't ever forget. And you'll talk about that for the rest of your life. For sure. It's like, um, remember our wedding? Of course. Remember Bill Murray was there? Of course! Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just for, just for no reason other than he likes to make people happy and i think to surprise people um so the bill murray stories on netflix um i definitely recommend that it was it was very good and uh real a real feel good type of thing and and really some bizarre he's a really bizarre guy too i think he's a weird dude in the in the best possible way yeah and he's supposedly i don't know if this is still true but he uh doesn't have an agent or a manager he has a 1-800 number and you call and leave a message, and if he wants to do the project, he'll call you back. And apparently that's how Wes Anderson gets a hold of him. That's how everybody gets a hold of him, is they call this 800 number. 
then I, leave a message. I heard I had heard about that he didn't have any representation, but I hadn't heard they had an eight hundred number. Yeah, he he was on uh, like I found some YouTube stuff where he was talking about it on uh, Good Morning America or something. He's like, yeah, that's how I'll listen to it, and if I feel compelled, I'll call people back. And he'll show up. He showed up on some morning show uh, like six months after they'd called him. He was just in the green room one day. Right. I mean, so I guess he doesn't have a publicist either. I mean, no. he's doing all these shows that you would, in theory, need a publicist yeah. for. But I guess, you, you know, I, I guess if you're doing your morning show and Bill Murray's in the green room, you scrap whatever you had going yeah. on that morning and you bring him in. You know, it's like, oh, Bill Murray's here. Well, no, we had this whole skit set up for our morning zoo. It's right. like, no, no, no. We're, we're moving, you know, here he is. Let's do it. It seems like in the last 20 years... He's really come around to embracing who he is yeah. in culture. Yeah. You know, I mean, because he was a bit of a recluse, you know, and a curmudgeon and, you know, all his issues with Harold Ramis. But it seems, I don't know, something with his age, I don't, I'm not saying he's old, I'm saying something happened at some point where he's really embraced how much people love him, the work he's done, how much people love the work he's done. Yeah. And he's really come around to being like the type of guy that shows up at someone's wedding or party. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting. And, and there's a another show. Um, a, he did a Christmas special, a very Murray Christmas. And he play, He definitely plays himself through the whole thing. And it's uh, his self-awareness, like you said, is really, really entertaining. Um, what's coming up? What's coming out soon that we should be excited for? Well, I don't know if we're going to use the word excited. <laughs> Uh, I am uh, cautiously, not even cautiously optimistic. I'm just uh, curious, shall we say, is uh, The Dirt, the Motley Crue biopic uh, that's been in development hell for at least 10 years. At least 10 years. Based on the book, Based on the book by, Neil by Neil Strauss about the life and times of Motley Crue, you know, the worst, best, whatever, however you feel about Motley Crue, they were like, you know, menaces to society. And uh, I did read the book, and I just I can't imagine what this take is going to be. I know it went through so many iterations, and they're like, well, it has to be a hard R. And at one point, MTV Pictures was going to make it, and then they dropped. They could never get a script to work. Or I know Nikki Six has been working on this forever to get it as a movie. You think some of the band was resistant, or whoever needed to sign off on it wouldn't sign off on it? I don't know this. I, it's possible. It's po- but I mean, they're basically doing the book. But I mean, someone has to write the script for it. They got to give mm-hmm. the go ahead on that, right? And I mean, and there's so much infighting in this band. I mean, I'm surprised that they can even uh, agree that a book was written about them, let alone make a movie on that book. It's, it seems absurd to me that they can actually work together to make this. But it's coming out on March 22nd. I am full on watching this. Because I ha- I just I, I ha- out of curiosity I have to see what this final thing is. I hope it's I hope it's filthy. I hope it's like the good. <laughs> I hope it's like the good fellas of heavy metal. I need yeah. it to be. I, I can't be some sugar coated. You know, like rounded edges. It needs to be, you know, filthy. It's called the dirt. It yeah. needs to be filthy. Well, hopefully it stays true to the book because Neil Strauss is such a good writer. And he's got a Howard Stern quality to him, which is that people are very honest with him um, very quickly. And he has a book called Everybody Loves You When You're Dead, which is a lot of like unreleased stuff he wrote when he was with Rolling Stone. 
And it's amazing how much people will talk to somebody like that. He just has that gift, I think, of bringing that out. So hopefully the movie isn't just a cookie cutter. Uh, I mean, I liked the Queen movie, but a little bit predictable. Oh, if this is like the Queen movie? <laughs> oh, forget it. I can't. Yeah. There's, no, 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 no. It can't, it can't be like the Wayne's world of heavy. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. As much as not to go off on Bohemian Rhapsody, there's wonderful things about it and things that are just a complete joke. But we're not yeah. going to get into that. Yeah. But I did, getting back to Neil Strauss quickly, I did read the game. Because oh, yeah. at one point I was like, I've got to learn how to pick up chicks. Yeah, Sorry. I, 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 anyway, it was a great book. <laughs> yeah. And the best parts were when he would like, he'd like diverge from the main topic of the book and end, ended up interviewing Tom Cruise and Courtney Love. And like you said, the stuff he ends up doing with them and gets them to talk about is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's an incredible journalist, and that comes through in his, um, I mean, I guess his books aren't really fiction, but he's he's able to write like a novel, but it's it's journalistic at the same time. It's yeah. fascinating. So The Dirt, um, coming out when? March 22nd on Netflix. That's coming up. Yep. Well, even sooner than that, March 16th, uh, season five, part two of Arrested Development. Ah, one of my favorite shows of all time, and I don't mean top two hundred. I mean like top three. Okay, we're going. This you're legitimately going on the record. Top three favorite shows of all time. This isn't. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And and if, in case you want to know the other two, Friday Night Lights and The Office. Okay. Uh, but anyway, um, Arrested Development. They filmed. I think they've taped the whole season back in like 2017 or something, and they have such a weird schedule. I mean, they were off the air for like seven years between seasons three and four. Um, it's such a weird, um, like the timing of when their seasons come out, they just don't care about what time of year or how many episodes. Uh, but I'm really excited. Arrested development is a show that I, uh, have watched with my brother and sister. It's one, and they're a lot older than me. So it's like one of the only things that we all sort of enjoy watching together. So it's like, a it, Bridges, uh, bridges a lot of stuff, I think, because a lot of people can relate. And I'm really excited for that. It comes out, I guess it's Saturday on Netflix. So that means it comes out at midnight on Friday. And so. how many episodes is this? Uh, it says it's season... Season what? Part? Five, season five, part, part two. two. Right, which they've never done other seasons in parts. So now they're starting. Now and, is this... Is Jeffrey Tambor going to be in this? Wasn't there a fallout with him? I know. Yeah. I know on his other show... He got the boot, but yes. I heard like he was such a dick on this show that they didn't want him around. Am I wrong? True. No, that's true. But I think they, I think all this was shot before that okay. came out. Okay. Um, but uh, that, yeah, season five, part two, I don't know how many episodes, but it's probably the last go round for them. But it, you know, there's so many interesting things about the production of that show. Uh, for example, season four, when it came out on Netflix, they did all the episodes each episode followed one character and they all sort of took place simultaneously. So there was no like chronological rhyme or reason to it. So you watch episode two and you would see parts of episode one happening in the background. It was so confusing that they recut the entire season and re-released it. So if you go to Netflix, you can watch season four and then you can watch season four remix, which is the chronologically edited season. Oh my God. How did I not know about this? Well, I'll say this. I've watched... I'm going to admit it, probably one and a half episodes of Arrested Development in my life. And that's because I was at a friend's house and like watching Arrested <laughs> Development. 
So it never worked. For, I never got into it. And that's, I'm not yeah. coming down on it. I'm not. Now, I think with the episode I saw was like, you know, David Cross was <laughs> hanging out with Carl Weathers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's all, it's, that's literally all I know about it. It's yeah. all I remember. And I, I mean, I know everyone loves it. And Ron Howard narrates it. I sound like an idiot. People are going, how the hell the fuck do you not watch Arrested <laughs> Development? I'm not going to listen to this guy. He has no credibility. <laughs> I freely admit I have no credibility. None, none. Because I don't like Arrested Development. But at the same time, it's it's not like I don't like it. It's just not, I'm just not, oh, I'm not into yeah. it. But I'm not like, oh, Arrested Development, uh-uh. I just never, it never, never stuck for me. Well, that's the whole purpose of this show, right? Right. I should go aware. back now and, and watch all these arrested development. And like I said, friends that's like, like you swear by it. I mean, they're just like, yeah. Oh, arrested development changed my life. Well, they, you know, they would set up jokes, see a, a full season in advance. I mean, stuff would pay off in season three that they had to have known about in the, in the pilot. I mean, the whole, you know, not to spoil anything for you, but the whole fact that, um, Aaliyah Shawkat's character is named maybe. And they always say, this is George Michael's cousin. Maybe. And then she turns out not to be his cousin. And it's like stuff that they set up when they wrote the pilot pays off in seasons three, four, and, and five. It's it's insane, the writing. Uh, so that comes out March 16th on Netflix. Um, getting close to time to wrap up. Uh, final thoughts. You had something about uh, Spielberg is uh, not very happy with Netflix. Right. Well, he's Spielberg is leading the charge against uh, streaming movies being eligible for Academy Awards. His argument is unless it's shown originally in a movie theater with it with a, a good window before it starts streaming, it should not be eligible for Best Picture or any type of Oscar because once you put it on there, in his argument, it's a TV show. Or it's a TV movie. Isn't that the case, though? Don't they have to have a theatrical release? You do have to have a theatrical release. I believe you have. To, it has to play in Los Angeles for one week. Yeah. And then it's eligible for an Oscar. But his argument is he thinks it should have to play for, I believe if I got this right, three weeks. But his, his other thing is, but can't be streaming at the same time. Like, like Roma. He, he's talking about Roma. He's talking about Roma. He's absolutely talking about Roma. Like Roma got a theatrical release. Half the theater change in this country were like, ah, we're not going to show show that because you can watch it day and I think maybe there was a week or so before it was released streaming. So it did get a little theatrical, but everyone knows. Just to qualify. Just That's to qualify. Right, just to qualify. And he's saying, forget it. You know, it, it's not, it shouldn't be eligible. It should be, you know, the Oscars should be supremely for theatrical, full theatrical releases. What do you think? Yes and no. He's right yeah. and he's wrong. I feel like part of him is like, you know, I'm Steven Spielberg. Get off my projector. <laughs> you know, it's like, Hey, old man withers, you know, it's like, get with the program. At the same time, I understand where he's coming from that, you know, the Oscars have always celebrated movies. Movies are seen in a theater. My thing is this. I wonder when the last time Spielberg actually saw a movie in a theater with the general public. Because it sucks now. It's yeah. a complete nightmare between everyone being on their phone right. and the complete lack of civility. Now, for me, <laughs> going to a movie is like going to church. Like, it's a, it's a sacred space for me. That's why I agree with Spielberg on many things. I get it where he's coming from. But I feel like he's living in a, a bygone era of what going to the movies is like. Because it isn't like yeah. that anymore. It's, it's, 
It's like daycare for half these. Right, it's, it's like just going a on free an airplane for all. now. It's like going on an airplane now, exactly. And I don't care what you do with the seats. I don't care what you do with the sound or the screen or the concessions. Okay, if the guy next to me won't shut the fuck up, <laughs> my movie is ruined. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you tell me I can like sit on my couch, okay, I can pull up Roma, right? That day and date, okay. I can pause it when I want. I can talk if I want, not that I would, but I have the option and no one's going to yip, yip, yip in my ear or have these giant like lighthouses lighting up off their phone. Like <laughs> what phone can illuminate an entire theater? So I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to go I off gotcha. here, but I'm saying, you know, I'm caught in the middle because I see what he's saying. And at the same time, also, you know, these movies, there's some great things that are being released on Netflix that are awesome. Yeah. They're really, you know. And also, he's going to have a showdown because Martin Scorsese is releasing his Irishman movie in the fall. I mean, it's going to get a theatrical and Netflix like, oh, it's going to get a theatrical. But why? Yeah. Why? I'm going to. Why can't I'm going to watch it on Netflix? Right. I'm not going to go to the theater because I don't want to deal with the bullshit. Yeah. Netflix cuts out the bullshit. Yeah, there's there's very few reasons. I mean, if you have a TV over the size of 36 inches, there, there's very few reasons to uh, to hassle with all that stuff, um, unless you're going to like the arc light or somewhere where it feels like a whole a whole thing. Yeah, but also it's like, you know, I like oh, it has to be. You know, he wants all these movies presented. Half, the, half these three fourths of these Academy voters are watching them on screeners anyway. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it's not like, oh, I got to get out and see. Hey, the I watermark. applaud. Right, I applaud everybody that's going to the theater. Congratulations! But these voters are watching screeners. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I'm just saying. I I agree with his points. If this was 25 years ago, it's yeah. not the world we live in now. Yeah. You got to embrace, and this guy's this guy's been on the cutting edge of technology. He's always been on the forefront, and now he's like, ah, you know, it's like, like <laughs> get go off my lawn, yeah, get off my lawn, you know, <laughs> go watch my movies on a zoetrope. <laughs> this has been our first uh, first episode of this of binge or purge with Demo and Joe Taylor, and uh, we hope that you'll come back and you'll share it on social media. Uh, final thoughts, Demo. Well, uh, Luke Perry passed away recently, and uh, I knew Luke. I didn't know him super well. He was, uh, but just think about Luke. If you knew him, you knew him. Like, he felt like he was your friend. I worked with him on Beverly Hills 90210, and uh, I've said this again and again. He's, he's my all-time favorite celebrity that I've ever, ever met out here. And I, I, calling him a celebrity belittles him. He's one of my all-time favorite human beings. That's how wonderful this guy was. Um, I'm glad uh, he came through my life. I can't believe he's gone. But uh, you're hearing people saying wonderful things about him. There's, there's not a single bad thing to say about this man. He's a wonderful, caring, giving, awesome person. I just want to say, uh, Godspeed, Luke. Uh, he was great. All right. Well, thank you for tuning in uh, to our podcast pilot episode of binge or purge we hope that we've made you aware of your next favorite show or favorite movie and uh thanks for listening bye